Dude, I'm excited for today's episode. I'm excited for all the episodes that have ever episoded. You know what today is, actually? 187 on a motherfucking cop. Some of that water did is... just come up my nasal cavity. Oh, nice. Cavity. So right. if I sound extra hydrated. Take your time. Yeah, um, pretty good. Let it absorb. What what is What else is today? Is it something else? Oh, sure. Yeah, today is, to the day, the anniversary, three-year anniversary of our official name change. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that nice? That's nice. We got halfway in the woods, and now we're out of the woods, you know, as far as, like, when when something's longer than it was before, it's always a cool thing. <laughs> oh, it's much, well, I guess it's much longer at that point, because we're in the four years. Yeah, so three, it's yeah, you're right, yeah. so that would be... But that was like over. Yeah, it was actually less than no. It was episode twenty nine. Yeah, so less than you know. Half Is that the year. Nathaniel Murphy episode? It was the Nathaniel Murphy episode. How long ago was that? Wow, three years to the day it turns yeah. out. Yeah, what a gem, dude. What do you think, man? Let's get it started. Should we get this freaking pod so started? In right Should we get this freaking pod started? David and Henry getting the party started in here. Gearbuds podcast episode 187. Gearbuds podcast episode 187. My name's Henry. His name is Dave. Hello. We forgot to do this last week. First time in a very long time. Did we not do the introductions? We didn't. We didn't do our, our name. What if it was like a first time listener and they're like, "Who the fuck are these guys? Who are these dildos?" Well, <laughs> well, here we are. We're your we're we're your Gearbud buddies, and we're here making episode 187 of this Gearbud buddy show, which is a lot of episodes on this mother bleep and bleep. I already we were we've already made the pun a few times. I don't. It's not even a pun. It's just a reference. It's a song lyric. It's a tune. How do you feel? Should we get into it? I'm good, man. I want to shout out to Jay. Uh, he, I saw him the other night, and he said he was in the airport, and for the first time ever, he listened to our two weeks ago episode, and then he ended up listening to three more episodes on the Aww, plane. Oh, Jay. So if he's listening still, shout out to my drummer, Jay Letterman. You know he's working his way straight back. I mean, how could you not? With You can go back. You can go forward. It's all good. And, and the, 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 the treat for him is that there are drum things sprinkled in. I know he's a guitar player, too, and he does yeah. all the other stuff. But, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a ripping drummer. So. He thought our conversation on how they uh, used AI to split up the Beatles songs. Uh, to split up the tracks. Oh, sure. It was very interesting. Oh. So he commented. What I love direct feedback. Yeah. Especially when it's positive. Well, anyways, let's keep it rolling. That's good. Go. That, good share. Uh, let's get in the symphony of corrections. And here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Did we talk about this? Can you guys make me a curly tone tube? We can. Stingray knows the technology. I, I need the technologies yeah. and I will pay for it. Cool. Done. Uh, he, we already did the reminder, and here's the thank you that we need to do. Thank you far and freaking wide for listening to this. We are so thankful to have all of you folks in our wonderful GearBuds community loving our on our, on us, both from near and far. Thank you. Feels really nice. Uh, and uh, if you reach out, I'll shout you out. Uh, and, and I finally have remembered to actually take a little screenshot of nice. a message that we got that because we get we get them from time to time, folks, and. Uh, Sometimes I remember to share them, and I wanted to share this one because there's some interesting stuff in here. Uh, so this is, I got a Speaks message for the old podcast, which is an inside joke between me and him because we used to call them speakers in high school. And he said, you guys were chatting about Revolver in last week's episode, and at one point talked about uh, an out-of-tune version of a song, Alicia Keys, yes. and that people just like it despite being out-of-tune. 
A famous, a famous example of this, and I can't mention the song title without thinking of Office Space, When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. The horns that come in at the end of the song are out of key, but that is the version everyone is familiar with. Hmm. I recall my dad having a reissue remaster of this single. By the way, my own little personal aside here. Steve's dad, who's sending this message, you know, who I, he was, this is the drummer in my first band who mm-hmm. sent this message, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. And uh, his dad had the craziest CD collection ever in like literal fireproof safes love that uh but anyways i i digress uh they had a bonus version with the horns playing in key aka quote unquote correct and let me tell you that version sounded terrible (laughs) and super weird because your brain's so used to that the the old way yeah he said he said what is it was it familiarity being violated or or was it that the off-key horns fit the song better hmm uh, here we go. Uh, but dude, sometimes mistakes make the song. See the who chanting cello, 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 cello in a quick one while he's away, supposedly because they couldn't get strings on the track. I don't think I'd ever heard that before. <laughs> That's cool. The phone ringing in the background of Steven's last night in town. Oh, he's just saying this because his name's Steven, by the way, but not really because he, I do know he loves Ben Folds five by Ben Folds five was accidental. A phone in the next room rung while they were in, uh, while they were recording and they liked it so much. They kept it oh, in wow. the song. It That's seems cool. intentional. Uh, and then he said some really nice stuff about how the podcast is a staple each week, and it's wow. making me feel real nice. So thanks, thanks Steve. Steve. Love you, buddy. Uh, good stuff. Uh, we already mentioned the three-year anniversary, uh, which is pretty cool. Happy three-year anniversary. Happy three-year anniversary of the name. Yeah. In the buds. It was. It was like we had sort of we had sort of sprinkled on the idea a little bit, and then we we're just like, should we do it? And you're like, yeah. And do then it. We just did it. Yeah, that was good. Never looked back. Uh, so that's pretty neat. Uh, rare find of the week. Got to talk about it. It has come back online. I should tell you. Okay. Because you know that we've been sending this back and ah. forth this week, and at first it was online, and then it was, I don't know, suspended or sold, Strange. and then back online. Now it's back. So now we can talk about it. Found it on Reverb. I don't remember how we came across this one. I just, it popped up in my feed. And it is a 1968 Fender Rosewood Telecaster, which in itself, if you're a fan of such things, you mm-hmm. know rare as hen's teeth super rare aka i think i would say most always typically associate that with george harrison of course uh this is the first one that they made of the six that was personally owned by elvis i mean was there documentation in this uh in the sale? there is documentation so not only is it the first one that was ever made it's the only one that ever was made without the skunk stripe on the back. Oh, really? So mm-hmm. it was a maple cap then. That means they. It was all rosewood. Or rosewood, but they. Rosewood on rosewood. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Uh, it comes with documentation, including the verification letter from Eddie Miller, who was the Fender rep in Nashville then, and the letter is dated September sixteenth, nineteen sixty nine. Uh, Nashville producer Scotty Turner was in possession of the guitar, and uh, not only that, Elvis used the guitar intermittently over a period of a few months, but ultimately thought it was too heavy and sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> in nineteen sixty, which we always said about those guitars, we're like they've got away like twenty. They are. I've I've yeah. I've held original of what I've, I've or no, well no, that's not true. I I held the first reissue of sure. those from the seventies, and then th- a few more throughout the year. And oh my god, yeah, they're they're insane. Solid. They're super heavy. Yeah. Uh, here's the other thing that I found very interesting. For some reason, the pots date to nineteen sixty four in that guitar. They were just reusing stuff. They like still had just like yeah. old pots lying Bins around them, yeah. five, four or five years later. I yeah, I, I heard it's very common to see uh, 66 pots in a lot of like late 60s stuff. So 64 really? is even, okay. that's even more interesting. Love that. Learning. You know, also I learned about a uh, reverb has a little program called reverb credits 
that uh, I, I found to be kind of interesting is this, the Sweetwater Deal Exchange response that we've Sounds been like waiting it to for. Me. And uh, if you sell, basically if you list stuff, I think in November is the way it goes, and you sell like 150 bucks, you get... 30 bucks in reverb credit. Reverb bucks. In reverb bucks. Um, that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I, I think so too. But it's it, it, I looked at the fine print. The only it, it, weird thing is that it said reverb credits will be added to your account on 12.10 and be valid through 12.28.22. So you get them and then have to spend them within 18 days. Oh. Of your own... That's credit that you like you get yeah, by your... selling something for, on their mm. platform. I thought that was kind of weird. It should give you like a year. Is the, I didn't know if I didn't notice if there was a, a a very serious limitation on when you could use the Sweetwater credit thing that we were talking about. And now is it thirty for every hundred or is it just a hundred or more? I, you get I think it was one hundred and fifty or more. You get right. thirty. Typically for one hundred and fifty, you'd get fifteen. I guess. Oh, okay. Is the deal? I don't. Yeah, I'm not really clear on the whole system, but yeah. I, I do know that it's certainly an ex, you get you get an extra fifteen bucks. I mean, look, it, to me, it is. They definitely saw the Sweetwater thing, and we're like, all right, we got to do something like that. I, you know, I don't. I don't really. I'll be honest. I I didn't really have much uh, much action on my listing on Sweetwater, but yeah. I, I'm still glad that there's at least you yeah. know some sort of competition. Drawing, and for people who don't know, around. the Sweetwater deal is if you, I believe, if you sell something, they they will waive fees for the cost and just give you the money, but you have to spend it at Sweetwater if you don't want right. to pay fees. And I think so I don't know. Similar, I don't. Rem- the thing is, is, I don't believe that they're going to do that forever. I right. think that was kind of a limited to get time started thing in itself, right? Yeah. And I don't know if that's still going or how how long that lasts. I either. will say, man, I, once in a while when I get a little bored, I check the old Sweetwater feed. Do you ever find good stuff? You never it, send me links. Yeah, there. there's never anything worth sending. And I think the only thing I sent you once was a '64 Mustang for like thirteen hundred bucks, and I was like, "This is wrong." It was a scam, and it yeah. was a scam, right? So I flagged it. <laughs> and then and then it was gone but hey that's good i think yeah that's right oh dude i do have an update uh we were last week we were talking about, it's come up actually a few times now i think about it uh that sort of i don't know i don't i can't really make out what i think of it that um youtube controller pedal uh yeah and then we were saying that maybe we could use that for ultimateguitar.com to scroll the uh tab or uh right. you know, chord charts up and down yep uh I, it's actually it, on sale right it now exists. for black friday it oh exists. is it on sale yeah it's called the vidami v-i-d-a-m-i youtube controller and it turns out i didn't realize there are actually two versions of it there's okay. a wired version which i believe is usb and then wireless bluetooth which That'd is nice. cool yeah and uh why don't you just i mean you know i like quizzing you what, yeah. why don't you give me a guess what do you think these is, well I, I know I, I gotta be honest i only know what the sale prices are right now well i, I believe, know what the original was for what how much 250 right okay so that's a bluetooth one okay the bluetooth one is on sale and then so i'll tell you that's on sale for 229 okay there's also a wired version ah uh, so, so what do you think oh, that man. is 150 maybe it's uh, i think it's i want to say it's one like 35 originally yeah. and then it's on sale for 122 right now which is like a little closer to being okay but i really Dude. would definitely want the wireless version and i also want a 50 dollars version like i'm if i'm just gonna be playing yeah. guitar in front of my television the only thing it's doing or in front of my computer whatever you want to the computer it. i would be okay with the wire i think if you're thinking about it with a television i de- or like possibly on a stage i definitely would want bluetooth oh on a stage for sure yeah but i just add another wire but in for mix? just at home like scrolling through like you said ultimate guitar yeah you know tabs or whatever it's kind of like i can i could do that Dude, with okay mouse, how about know? alternate idea flip flops with a keyboard or with a mouse built into underneath the big toe and your and your other pointer toe 
and uh, that's a squeal a like little we, scroll if, wheel. Scroll, that's an, what I want is the big scroll wheel for my toe. That's what I'm saying. Big scroll wheel. You're saying if that technology toe, was, and then you're on, for your like pointer toe, right. you got a click button, uh, or even just like a depressible wheel with your sure. big toe. Build that into a little flippy floppy, or even a crock of yeah. some sort Ooh. in in four by four uh, in turbo turbo mode. mode with the nuts hanging off the back. Oh my god! I need to get crock nuts. <laughs> Anyone listening who's interested in, shop, in shopping for me for Christmas this year, I wear a size Croc nuts. <laughs> what size are you in Crocs? What I think is I would pay more for that technology. When I saw the device itself, my first impression was it looks like a guitar pedal. Like that. So I don't know if that's cool or not. I was thinking of something different, you know, like in my in my mind. What were you imagining? Um, maybe something with larger buttons where you could like have, you know. Okay. And just something, honestly, I was thinking of something that looked cheaper than what that, that actually mm-hmm. looks pretty nice. It almost reminds me of just like a foot switch that would come with like a Vox or something. Oh, it looks, it looks, it looks like a high end product yeah, for sure. Which I like. Um, in my mind, I was thinking like dig, along the lines of like the Digitech, like RP50 or something like the big goofy pedal. All like, those big plastic yeah, buttons. On I was there, thinking yeah. something just real like, you know, because that's cheesy. the thing. If you, that's what you want, you can just get that and then just use it as a midi controller you, yeah. just, you just need to have a midi to usb interface to connect to your computer right. at that point unless the unless the controller that you're talking about already has a usb plug on it because that if that's all you're if that's all you want to do you absolutely could do that with a million other yeah. devices they've just packaged it in like a neater easier way and i do think that the bluetooth one is pretty that's the way to pretty go. is is a good is a good sell it's just yeah it's t- it's it's kind of expensive but you thing. made a good point man i mean i think for like um you know there's a lot of people that'll bring their like uh, tablet and do cover songs for like three hours at a bar or something like that totally that would be perfect for that yeah and and i think right now a lot of people do use midi controllers for that mm-hmm. sort of thing right yeah. now yeah so I don't know, uh, you know, dude. This I've got to say, you know, we like to we like our, we like to have our fun around here, like, like your buds, We're joshing around and once we, in a while. Think, but I don't think we take things too far into any sort of like poisonous or toxic way. So I just no. want to get that out here. But you know, also we'll just see. Uh, so I want to say, uh, <laughs> Joe Bonamassa, who we like to talk about, around, yeah, Joe Pretty much every episode he comes up at some point has completely uh, deleted all social media. Okay. He made a post a couple days ago saying, so after sleeping on this, I've come to a conclusion last night. I allowed a few clowns, including, and he tagged someone's name on Mm. here, uh, being one of them to cause me to go on stage angry. I hope it wasn't one of our fans. I hope not too. That is not fair to you, the fans. Also, this isn't what I signed up for eight years ago. Social media has become such a distraction for me. This place feels like the maturity of high school, and I fear I'm going to be provoked one day into saying something I might regret. So I'm leaving this wonderful place to the influencers and good-looking. Enjoy it before it destroys your soul. I'll see you in real life somewhere down the road and in Riverside tonight. Any posts on this page going forward will not be for me. Thanks for for the eight years. My, or, uh, sunglass emoji, which is funny because he always wears sunglasses on stage. Thumbs up, and then a picture of Homer Simpson. <laughs> okay, that's it. There you go. Joe Bo's gone. Well, as as long as we can get updates of when he's going to come in town, that's all I'm really concerned about. <laughs> from from the Facebook. Was he page. very active on social media? I, I don't. I think he must have been. I don't yeah. even know if I followed him. To I be I didn't. But that's yeah. It's it, it is a bummer, and it, and it does speak to a real thing that's going on. A lot of people are just sure. getting real upset all the time on the yeah. internet and don't know how to be fucking human beings. It's a it's, a, it's an emotion that we you know 30 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever we never thought we would be like who gets who looks at a phone and gets upset you know what i mean like that's not something you're it's yeah. not in our natural dna to to react the way that we do sometimes on social media it takes yeah that that evolution is a weird thing it, it is. takes a while oh um what do we got what do we hey, got hey did what you do we see got? uh i don't know if this is on here let's, or not. let's hear throw it a, I, hit me with the curve uh did you see who's the guy uh who's your buddy ignasi 
Mark Ignacy from Gibson. Oh, how my buddy. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, did you see the slash the the first burst, the first burst, first burst? So I saw a little Instagram thing, and it was it's a it's a it's kind of an ad for a book, but it's him and Slash, and it's I guess Slash owns this, but it's the first burst ever from fifty eight. Yeah, and they how take do they it, know that? And I believe just by serial number. I think by serial because maybe? they don't have the ledger from then, so it's like I, that's not that's what's so under, in, 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 interesting to me. The, the but there's a new burst. book, so it, but the whole thing isn't even an ad for like the you know because they have a reissue of that guitar. It's like this. It has like a sticker um, residue on the pickguard. It's like really kind of a here's the thing. So thing. I just and we talked about it. I watched some like hour and ten minute slash and market yeah. you see. Uh, maybe this YouTube was a clip video, from that yeah but I don't remember them specifically call, talking about that being the yeah. first burst it is pretty funny because uh, I guess Slash owns it he bought it and he knew the dealer that he got it from didn't say what he paid for it obviously he's like the whole thing happened so fast I just Ugh. had to get it or whatever you know however it was probably paid like a million bucks for it or something but he opens the case and he has it there and I think Gibson has done a reissue of this guitar. I'm sure. Slash has had a lot of reissues oh, yeah. of guitars. But I think they're doing a reissue of this one. Um, probably along the lines of like the Greeny reissue, I would assume. Um, a Murphy Lab sort of deal. Yeah. and uh, But the one apparently in the actual filming of the thing was the original. So he takes it out of the case. and They're kind of holding it, checking it out. And then it just goes to this like ad for a book. So it's really about a book. So is it? But it's is it a book about that guitar? Or I what guess is it about? about Slash and that guitar. Oh, it's about stuff. Slash. Okay, maybe his like you know history with guitars. Huh. Anyways, I didn't know if you saw it or not. No, I did not. Well, not. geez, I'm, or maybe I did and I just missed that. But part we gotta of it. we gotta dig into this first burst thing a little more. I next, just like saying first burst as well as Durst burst. Yeah, I almost like it more. The first Durst burst, which we've also seen, as there are two, we have confirmed. <laughs> so there is a first now. Uh, dude. Oh my God. Wait. Uh, rabbit hole discussion time potentially, and I'm gonna need, and I'm I'm gonna need a little because it seemed like you you knew a thing or two or a thing about this. We're belly aching about yeah. it earlier this week. Uh, how about that Cliff Burton freaking bass situation that 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 I had never heard anything about until a couple weeks ago, and then, or for me like a, a couple days ago. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, there was I'd never heard about this. Well, we all know Cliff Burton had the, we, Rick, the Rickenbacker. We all know, and if I mean, yeah, if you, if don't, you don't know, know Cliff Burton, Cliff. go pause this. Uh, go listen to the first three Metallica records, <laughs> please, and don't stop until you're done. Yeah. and then come back. <laughs> and wait. we're back. That great, thanks. And <laughs> he played a he played a few different bases, including that Yamaha. He had some other things, but an Ibanez. But yeah, an played, Aria. I think he had an the Aria. Is what I'm yeah. trying. what I was trying to get to. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, the Rickenbacker, I think, is one that we all really the coolest of all, the, and definitely the coolest. Definitely the one that comes with the action figure, which was it was a four thousand one. Yep, and it had a. I think we've even talked about this on the show before. The fact that it had a mudbucker replacing the normal Rickenbacker in the neck position and the sort yeah like in like the middle middle-ish yeah. position or whatever and then the regular Rickenbacker Rickenbacker like toaster pickup which was a DiMarzio reissue re- DiMarzio yeah. in that position but now here's where the controversy happens yeah. and I feel kind of stupid because some people might be like yeah duh I've known about this forever but I definitely had never heard about me this. either that underneath the Rickenbacker bridge which is a big honker of a bridge yeah. so it you know, you'd have to haul ter- out some wood in terms of what, well, sure. But in terms of plausibility of all different types of bridges, we're, we're, we're about to get to, I think it's possible, but underneath that bridge, supposedly he had buried a strat 
single coil electric guitar pickup. Was it a stock? Was it a? St- I thought it was a stacked, uh, stacked pulls though. Is it like, you know, what I'm talking about? It's like a size of a single coil, but it's like there's two stacked on top of each other. Possibly? See, well, the, here's the thing. This is there are a lot. There are lots of different. We don't know theories about this yeah. because there is. Although I think some people like to claim authoritative opinion. There is no. We don't have. We the base. We can't look at the base. We don't have it. Yeah, it's in the Rock and Roll. Hall. I think it's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So yeah, I sent you that photo, and I was like, "But you said you were there, and you never saw." I don't it. remember seeing that. Yeah, but also it was next to Rick James's tights, so or his boots. His boots. So I'm like, and you said you, so you said random. you wanted those boots. I do want those cheetah. There boots. were some I, in the Rock. I mean, when I was there, and I'm sure they changed it all the time. Yeah. But there there were some sort of like hodgepodge scenarios. But the thing is, when I was there, they also had like full Metallica. That's what setups. I'm saying. You would have it in like the Metallica section, right? right. Um. Know. Anyways, does it? exist maybe how does it sound we don't know well and here's the other thing so it was in i i first came across it in some interview with the bassist from machine head in an interview that he did where he was talking about it and then you talked about it. you'd you'd seen threads on this and like yeah, talk, talk bases all over it for the years over the years so once once that and then we started l- looking at both things I, there was there was a lot of conflicting supposed again objective quote-unquote information that is just known it's all hearsay and we don't know yeah for like sure. the, like well, like the guy i copied and pasted and sent you like his yeah. little paragraph about it claims that he like knew cliff and his dad and he knew like where yeah. the rickenbacker came from and the whole history of right. like where the guitar was before cliff bought it and all this stuff um obviously cliff did had the mods done Mm-hmm. I think he bought it stock. And then he also said that he didn't, he, Cliff didn't like how it sounded or it sounded bad or something. So he never actually used it. Yeah. I just, okay. In theory though, like let's just say we were going to design this, right? Mm-hmm. Would it even really, if you had it all the way under the bridge where strings are at full tension. Sometimes I feel, feel like, like I'm Cliff Burton's buddy. Would you even be able to hear, like, what would it even sound like? I mean, there's no tension. I think you would be able to. It would just be like clink, clink, clink. I think you would be able to blend in some attack. Right. Maybe. But then, like, we were kind of looking. There's no extra controls or switches on that guitar, so I don't even know where. You could have just replaced one. Maybe. Of, you know. Yeah, who knows how it's actually wired, right? right? But um, could be on full blast and just on a switch. I just feel like that would be the worst place for a pickup is under a bridge. Like under a piece God, of metal. Those, so, uh, those three, that phrase under has been ruined for me for a while. <laughs> Does he say under the bridge in that whole song? I don't. I don't really know words, but that's I don't where think he does. I drew some bl- under the bridge downtown. Oh, is yeah, that it's in the hook. Yeah, oh. yeah, okay. I had to think for a second, man. I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad think about that. Glad Shout out Rick Rubin. There. Um, yeah. So I, the, the, I'm just a little I bummed that. I'm never gonna know for sure because right. I, I'm now I want to like experiment with pickups underneath underneath bridges, but it, it's a very hard thing to do. That's what I mean, because, especially because it's such a structural area of the instrument too. Right. Like where, like if you're gonna then go in and weaken it underneath, you have to be very very thoughtful I mean, and specific even if with where that's took gonna be. The Rickenbacker bridge off, which, like you said, is a massive hunk of metal. You got some blind <laughs> blind blind about the light over there. You get man for man you want me over to turn here. The, uh, blinds for you. Yeah. All right, I got it. Blinded by the sun. Other way. That's much better. Um, oh, it, it's helping a bit. It's better. 
Yeah, it's it's a thing. It's funny. This is like where I sit, you know, when I'm working on Zoom calls or team yeah. calls, and then so like around this time every day, it's just like I get this weird yeah. like blinding thing, and I have to like dance around it. And it's really well, it goofy. also shows you that it's going to be dark in like an hour. So that's <laughs> no that's shit. Cool. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's I I want I really want to try it, but I also I'm a, I am I'm dubious to say the least. Yeah, I just didn't know it was such a big controversy because there were people like fuck no that bar, that, bar, that wouldn't bar. even sound good. Well, it probably wouldn't, but right. how would you know until you try it? Right. But what tech would be like? Let's do this. I mean, maybe he maybe it's totally maybe he did it himself. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if you out there decide to bury a pickup beneath the bridge or something, let us know. Do some because obviously you know video demos. You've heard of like the um, there's like a mod with the Esquire where people put a neck pickup in the telly, Hidden but they hit the, it under the pickup. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. It's because it's just a piece of plastic between the strings. And and it's still going to muffle it even, even yeah, more than course. it would without it. But under the bridge downtown. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Oh, 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 this is good. We're going down a little bit of a fur- further down the base okay. rabbit hole because I saw this other video recently that I want to ask if you've ever heard of. Okay. And, and it's quite possible that you have because you're bass boy. Uh, are, have you ever heard of something called the producer's switch? No. Okay. I so, mean, it sounds kind of familiar, but. Um, maybe you have and we'll just get like around to it. Studio hack? Check it. It is, it is a major studio hack. Okay. What do we got? Well, Lee Sklar. Everyone's favorite, sure. Gandalf looking yeah. place Long played with everyone. Basement. Very opinionated baseman. Uh, he he's had a few handful of different signature instruments throughout the years, and one of them is made by Warwick. Okay, and it's a semi hollow. I believe it's a semi hollow dual mud buckers on yep. there, uh, and it has what the only custom like for he was. T- I, I watched this little video that where he made where he was talking about. This was like I think it was for like a, a, a lower cost version of hit like of his of this instrument because yeah. there's like some. Twelve thousand dollar version, too. sure, of course, and then there's like the rock based version. But then there's too, yeah, exactly, and so the, but even that was still pretty. I think yeah, it was still like kind of. Like, or... I think it was more. I think it was more like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. But it's a semi hollow, and you know. Anyways, he said that the only difference with his that like when he plays that instrument versus how it comes stock off the shelf mm-hmm. is that he does two changes. He adds um, mandolin frets. Really? He takes he likes really tiny. skinny tiny frets, wow. kind of tall but skinny frets. That's interesting. And on all of his instruments, and he um, puts a strap pickup under the bridge. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has. You almost had me, baby. <laughs> I was like, not again. He has a custom producer's switch wired in. I've heard this term, but remind me of what the hell it actually is. Well, what the hell it actually is is. That when he's because he he is a touring musician for sure, but he's mostly I think famous for being a studio musician too. He's done a ton of recording. I think he might be the most recorded bassist of all time or something yeah. like that. And he said that on an instrument long ago, uh, he had a switch wired in that he could go to when the producer asks him to change up the tone a little bit, and he'd say okay, <clears throat> and he'd make sure that the producer saw him flip the switch. And then all he would do is just move his hand to a slightly different position. I was going to say, tell me the switch. And the switch nothing. is literally wired to air. It's Shut nothing. up, dude. And, and, he, and he calls it the producer switch, and he has it on all of his instruments. Dude, it, now I've definitely heard this before. That's so funny. Now check it out. So, I, Oh, I guess this is based on the Star Base by Warwick originally? Yes, is the Star Base was the original. Uh, I had never heard of that, but he, his custom version has this ridiculous four a quilted maple top. Yeah, and it has what's called the upgraded producer switch. 
that has a five position. It's so it's like a veritone switch oh with LEDs. And then on the fifth position, it lights up to the outline of something that Lee Sklar is known for, which is the middle finger. Oh, that's great. Isn't that the fucking most badass? And and again, wired to nothing other than the fact it's that it's got just an, LED. A, an LED in it. Oh my god, yeah. dude. I love that, dude. It's a cool that might be my favorite signature touch on any instrument yeah. that I can ever come up with. It's so great. And you know they're like, oh, that was it. Yeah, leave it right there. He's my freaking hero. Wow. Couple, this is. I mean, you know, we're just living in a world where the the symphony's gotten beefy. So I think just live with it. Just folks. roll it, man. Just roll it. Uh, here we go. A couple more things. Bob Dylan, I would say, becomes Bob Villain because <laughs> weird, recently, yeah. So recently, I I had not heard anything about this, but Bob Dylan put out some sort of super limited edition version of one of his books that came out where there were uh, nine hundred units sold for six hundred dollars a piece. And the main selling point for this book, you know, it's a hardbound edition. There was sure. a much cheaper version as well. But the main selling point for the $600 version was that it was hand signed by Bob Dylan. And I'm like, oh, okay. If you're a big Bob Dylan collector, that's, you're going to want that. That you must own. Yeah. I think it's sold out. You know, it's one, I mean, that they know how many Bob Dylan collectors there are out there. Yeah. They make the right amount. They sell out instantly. Sure. Bada boom. Well, not so fast because it turns out it was not actually hand signed by Bob Dylan. It was hand signed by an auto pen that's that i didn't even not know not at all bob dylan and i didn't even know an auto pen was like a real thing oh those do those have existed for a long really? time really and they even do and and i guess the way that they figured out is that it wasn't even just the exact because obviously bob dylan doesn't sign exact the same exactly the same way every time you would expect that all of them would, would be different very there were i think it was 18 varieties that they that they oh, were able so to, they didn't so like so they didn't even the, use the all same the collectors like like ganged up together right. and were like hey let's like compare our things because like people were like we think this is fake so then they right. like all met up on the on the interweb I would yep. guess Reddit and compared and they were able that they they found that there were eighteen different ones but at least I mean at least he just didn't do the exact same one over and over again right exactly that would have been pretty that would have been pretty obvious pretty obvious but they're still obviously 18. trying to obfuscate the fact that they were not actually hand signed dude these super fans got together and figured which it I out. love that yeah. and then so now uh, the the publisher had to be like yeah we lied uh, it was definitely not. <laughs> signed and uh we're just gonna give you your money back keep you can keep them keep the you book can keep these bullshit yeah. fake signature books so you got a free book out of which it. selfishly as a man that for some time now has has also collected vintage and 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 uh what's the word that i'm looking for signed but there's a different word for that inscribed books sure i am very nervous now that i own <laughs> fake signatures I mean, I guess with any signature we buy ever, we kind of have to think that, right? You're right. I think a lot of times the the, the handful of that signatures autographed like Barry been, Bonds jersey I got been home. gifted. I do have some that have like certificate things. That's the thing. Even that could just be fake. Yeah, you're like, well, how do we know even that's real? What that's is real? real? And also, I can't imagine spending six hundred dollars on a Bob a Bob Dylan book. Like a I, new Bob Dylan book. I think there's very few books I'd spend six hundred dollars on. Gidgeon's Bible, maybe Gidgeon's Bible. You can get that free in any motel. Did you have? Do uh, you have some expensive books? Yeah, I, f- I think you. I figured you would. Got a handful. Yeah. I, I I visited the rare books room in Powell's in in Portland a handful of times cool. and done done that sort of thing. And Bob had no comment on this, right? I don't think Bob. I don't. Th- I would bet Bob didn't even know this happened. He's like, what? 
<laughs> Last thing that I wanted to talk about because it's kind of goofy and it also just happened recently and it's and it's and it's whatever. Uh, November twentieth, in fact, uh, in Australia, the Black Crows had a little bit of a an incident. Oh, I saw this. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. Did you see the video? I did. Okay, so fan shot footage shows a man jumping on the stage and then and then also like dodging security bros. Yeah. And then making his way over to, like, past the singer, Chris Robinson, over to his bro-bro, Rich Robinson. Yeah. Who, at the time, is playing a telly. I want to I wanna underline. And uh, the guy's just kind of, he's kind of like this big, like, dofy dude in, like, a button-down kind of shirt, kind of long hair. He's like, woo, yes. having a good old time, Ooh, probably. The drugs are hitting Bud hard. Lights. Yeah. And, and uh, half a bottle of ecstasy. <laughs> and Rich Robinson pulls a keef. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. And just like straight up bashes, and him. it's like as he's kind of tussling with a bouncer too. And that's what I want to first. Let me okay. So first of all, it's kind of it's kind of scary to watch because then Chris comes over with a microphone standing. He's like trying to swing at him a little yeah. bit. But here's here's the thing that actually made me laugh because I went back and watched it again. Yeah, Rich Robinson takes a full on like takes the butt of the guitar and like really tries to fucking attack yeah. this man with it. And the dude takes on the full brunt of his attack and barely moved it all. Yeah, like it, he, he got him square in I the know. chest. He's playing a the, really lightweight telly or something. The dude just like barely moves. This <laughs> is a pine, pine body. Uh, well, that's kind of the thing that I thought was funny about it because he's already like kind of in the hands of the bouncer at that yeah. point. Where the Keith video, and if you guys haven't seen the oh, video, yeah, that's a f- of Keith, yeah. that's a full on maniac fan running on stage past Mick Jagger. Keith takes off his telly like a baseball bat. And swings it at Wallops this guy, them. and there's no bouncer anywhere to be found yet. So <laughs> oh, that was yeah. just a straight on like I'm defending my bro. Right. Uh, where this was a little bit more like, all right, this guy is he's not going to hurt anybody, I don't think. But you never know what you shit that know. happens nowadays. But it, so agreed. It was still, I have to say, very embarrassing love how for it just Rich like, Robinson because the, it was a wussy. He, it was he tried really hard yeah. to knock this dude off the stage and he just did it. And the guy sort of just like kept celebrating even after. Yeah, he, he was got like, it. all right, he, he hit me. Yeah, like that's all he wanted, actually. You know. Uh, also, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing just to be the Black Crows. Anyway, they're still touring, it? man. They're still doing the, their thing. I guess, and just like the song that they were playing as that was coming, it was like this is just like. The hokiest Rolling Stones yeah. ripoff I've ever it's heard, and then he does a hokey Rolling Stones ripoff telly bash, and doesn't end doesn't quite get that right either. It, it was it, nothing will ever be as good as the original Keith uh, knocking that guy out with a. No, that's hard to watch. That's, it's that's awesome. It's one of the wild. craziest videos on the internet. Yeah, you like UFC and stuff. I don't. I like. I have a hard time <laughs> when people take hard blows. It's hard oh for yeah, me to watch that yeah. shit. And it, that of was course. a fucking hard horde blow yeah, for sure. You know what is also a little bit of a horde blow. Hard blows. Dave's Docks is a hard blow. One eight seven, bro. Docks for one eight seven. Dude, wow, you really got up there, man. How about we talk about a Dave's Doc that both of us watched? Did you watch it? I watched it. Hey. Yeah. Did you like it? Do we should we save our opinions, uh, sure. our subjective opinions for the end, and then t- sure. we'll talk through it first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, we watched Meet Me in the Bathroom, which came out this morning. Today. You were like, uh, hey, do you got Showtime? And I was like, do I ever? Yeah, it's on Showtime. Uh, it was in theaters for, I think, a month before um, it came to Showtime. Oh, so, I didn't realize that. I know that yeah. they had done the sort of like... Uh, it did like the smaller the theater deal. type thing. Type well, thing. And, the, and all the awards uh, types, like the small, the cans and the... And the, and the yep. The whatnots. Yep. And like the smaller... Sundances yeah, and such. East Village theaters and stuff. Um, I will say this, man. Yes. My, Okay, I liked it a lot. Um, my opinion is it was very nostalgic for me. Okay, because I lived in New York at this time. I was gonna, I was gonna so ask you about that. What's crazy is I remember I never saw the Strokes in New York, mm-hmm. but I was there at that time. I saw the bass players band play once in New oh, York. Oh, really? Like two thousand eight. I didn't or know you had a like separate that. band. Yeah, interesting. There's a lot to say about it. I mean, okay, if we're gonna get subjective, I'll, I'll just say that I I read the book from which the documentary should be based. Sure. I in general, so we'll just tell people it's the story of basically like the year essentially two thousand ish, yeah. Until what, like maybe two thousand like eight, Five seven, eight, yeah, maybe seven or eight, because I guess LCD mostly, yeah, because that stuff right. pulls it later. The it's but just that sort of like New York scene, and it was the Strokes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually, the Rapture come in. You Interpol said, is a big Inter- one. Interpol's a big one. Moldy Peaches were one of the originals. TV on the radio kind of got liars. Screwed. TV on the radio. They were yeah. in it for like two seconds. I was right. Like, what the hell? And and what were what what you just said is kind of my sort of central complaint is that it didn't really feel like a documentary to me. It kind of felt the, sort of like a just like a like a collection, like a nostalgia collection yep. of like behind the scenes footage. Agreed. It didn't. There was no like story or point or narrative or anything it was just kind of just like here's some stuff that kind of happened to like some pretty famous people dude i was totally thinking the same thing today after i watched it yeah because i was like how, what you know how what do i want to say about this it doesn't give you the parts that i love about a documentary i do love the nostalgia aspect because like i said i did live in new york at that time mm-hmm. and even just seeing the footage i was like i this looks familiar like it's cool and like there was no social media yet and like barely people had cell phones or anything mm-hmm. so it was like it was kind of this cool scene that had to be like a word of mouth type thing i thought was neat but there was no background they were like there was this band called the strokes and they were five guys and they played like you know one guy they were that good like they were mm-hmm. just this cohesive unit on stage cool but like that came from somewhere like that yeah had i want to hear a little somewhere. more backstory about i know they're from new york okay i get it but like how did they form? And, like, and that's the other thing, too, is they sort of eventually came back and touched on the fact that they really were like rich boys that had been that had met in fucking oh, yeah. Swiss boarding, boarding school. school. Yeah. And they like and that was a like that is really the stroke story, I think. Yeah. Like, and, and, and the fact that Julian Casablanca's his father owns elite models, like one of the most right. high end elite. He's a rich elite. Yeah, for sure. So it's like. They were kind of destined to do well regardless of anything else. And know? yeah, and th- that's an interesting story, but there and there were a lot of those and then they they I think they really focused a lot on James Murphy's story yeah. and that was by far the least interesting to me I of the whole thing. I didn't know he was thing. kind of a cockhead, dude. <laughs> He's kind of an ass, dude. Oh, I I mean, first of all, hilarious. Second, I did definitely know that and I'm not I like I like his production and style, and I like some of their songs. I'm not the world's biggest LCD Sound so System fan. I I do remember hearing LCD Sound System for the very first time in like you know early two maybe 2004 or five mm-hmm. or something, and like I think it was Daft Punk is playing at my of house. Course, and I was yeah. like, this fucking song rips, and it's, it's unlike amazing. anything I've ever heard. Yeah. And the production's amazing, obviously. Um, but I didn't know he was like a producer for a long time mm-hmm. before he did that. He produced the Rapture. Those pictures of him in that indie band with the like pencil goatee and yeah. the long hair. He had dude. the swoopy oh hair. Oh my stuff. god! And it was not. It was not. Not good. cool. It was so bad. It was bad. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't know he was kind of a dick, though, because they were basically like the Rapture was trying to record their record. And he's like, well, I have ideas of how this song should. Yeah. Be. And he's like, dude, this isn't your band. Like, what are you doing? You wormed your way in. Well, and, and then they were touring on that record for like a year and a half yeah. with it being done. And, they and it wasn't even released. Right? release it. Yeah. yeah. So then they eventually left and went somewhere else and, and hit it. You know, they like they did have their moment. They did. They did, they did become pretty. Yeah, big. I remember. Um, I, I have. Was, I own that. All that's. A, I own pretty much all of those bands. Yeah. CDs. Sure. Still to this day. Oh, yeah. Like, Interpol, Turn on the Bright Lights, the first handful of uh, Strokes records. Of yeah. Yes. Yeah, Fever to Tell. Uh, TV on the radio. Um, I don't think I have any liars CDs. Yeah. What else? Did we, oh, I, I, and, and like I said, LCD sound system was never really like my super. Yeah. Team. I think I have. I do have one of those on CD. I had the one like with the white album cover with the disco with ball. the disco ball. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyways, it was. You're right. It was more of a documentary about a scene that was happening rather mm-hmm. than like any band individually or even combined. Like I mm-hmm. wanted a little more backstory. Um. You know what remind me a lot of what is Dig. But you the, had, at least Dig was only two bands at that point. Dig was two bands, and that's also one of my favorite docs. I Me would. too. Um, and and Dig was like an hour longer than this one too. This yeah. was only like an hour and a half. Yeah, it didn't feel that long. <laughs> Cat. Ding dong. Uh, it didn't feel that long, but uh, yeah, I, I I did appreciate how they captured a scene, and it was kind of this weird organic thing that kind of. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the Yeah Yeahs and Strokes played together like all over New York City, like before then, they blew up. And then didn't they? Or no, who did they? Who went? And they went to toward England. Toward yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Which I thought was funny, too, because they went to England with the Strokes and they did their tour. Because I remember the part where uh, Karen O is like, she's like, yeah, I stayed sober. These guys are getting hammered. And I'm like trying to like experience this. And mm-hmm. I want to remember like how cool this is. Well, yeah, they were fucking heroin and crack. That, yeah, that, I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't Dude, realize that they were that like. And like Albert Hammond fucking, uh, hanging out with Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams. I did know Ryan Adams is a fucking huge douche. I knew that for sure. Yeah, and but I, he, I didn't realize I didn't, he was like a heroin addict dealer. He was like the dealer, dude. Yeah. He like wormed his way into the band. It was weird. It's super weird. And they were doing interviews. They started, like dressing like them. And stuff. he was dressing like him. He would cover their songs. Yeah, and then he also was like. Um, yeah, I, I I felt like he thought he was like in the band or something like that. So positive, I'll say, is that there were a lot of cool live performance yes. shots. Very cool. But I want to say that there, I noticed a really weird one where they took. Did you notice last night by yep. the Strokes where they, they played took, the track over? Why it. did they do that? I don't know. Maybe the audio was just so bad. Then don't do that song. Yeah, I know. Because there was plenty of other behind the scenes live footage, yep. and then instead they just did like a weird montage with the like like almost the whole song. It felt yeah, like it was of last night. It was a lot of it. Yeah, um, I know. I did think that was weird because I was like, and they're playing to the. It's it's set they to the rhythm. It, they edited it to look like. It, yeah, so sure. I'm like, oh, they're playing the song, yeah. and then you, you can see his hands moving. But I'm like, wait, this no, isn't this, just, this, this is, is the actual the track recording. that you can get on Spotify. Which I have, I have some sort of Japanese import of that, cool. which has like another song, and then I think it, it's. I remember it being sort of sexy. It involves like lips or like a yeah. lipstick or something. I don't know. I will say this: I I'm a huge Strokes fan. I really like the band a lot. Yeah. I thought they were pretty original when they came out. Those first few records are pretty untouchable. Yeah. And they're the dude, the dueling guitars and the way they kind of organize their parts. Mm-hmm. I think is just so fucking cool. Um, but I didn't realize how actually big they were. Like when I tell people, I'm like, oh, I like the Strokes. I'm like, I thought they were. I knew they were big, and I know everybody knows who they are. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't know they were like. MTV, MTV, all that like kind festival. of stuff. Yeah. Now, the first time I did see them was on that $2 bill performance where they're playing on that like disco I, yeah, stage. The MTV2 thing, that's Which right. is one of my favorite performances. Really? I would say look that up if you want to see a really good story. I don't think song. I watched that. But what I didn't realize is they were already like phoning it in at that point. Yeah. They were already like breaking <laughs> they were, up. They're they like, dude, fucking skagged out. fucking hate each other. Hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but right. I think it's like, when I'm like, 
Look at one of their first performances. Like, no, they've been playing for like two years already. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. Or no, probably a lot more. Probably than that, longer. Because yeah. well, again, we, we, you're right. We just like sort of jumped in. We did get we did get more of the we got the complete formation of the AAS. But yeah. the Strokes, they just who who were posited to be the sort of like central band of this whole thing. Yeah. They really did just kind of jump in with them, and uh, then and then eventually came back to that like we were talking about that one interview where it's like, aren't you actually rich boys? And they're just like, we're not going to talk about yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm Next uncomfortable question. by being so rich. Um, that and then. I didn't really know much about Interpol, to be honest. Um, I always yeah. thought they were much older, just because they sounded like so '80s. You know, they had that kind of '80s new wavey kind of, you know, pre killer yeah, singer Paul. Thing. What's his name? Uh, yeah, I always forget. I forget. But he, uh, or Paul Aaron's or something like that. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he had a baby face for a long time, yeah. and also seems to have stuck almost exclusively to that Les Paul custom, which you know I love to so see. So that, that there weren't a lot of gear spots in it. Yeah. Um, getting back to our to our gear talk, yeah. Uh, but obviously, you know the Strat and the three thirty or three thirty. No, that's maybe? a an Epiphone. Casino? Um, nope, it's the uh, Riviola. I oh, say. yeah. Okay, I, I like that combination of like the humbuckers and mm-hmm. the single coils at the same time. I think that's such a cool. They nailed fucking... it, and they're even the um, Nick Valencia or no, that's a guitar player. I can't remember the bass players. I Nico, I think the Nico ba- something. The bass is is very underrated in the Strokes. Oh my god! And I was gonna say the bass is Interpol. I didn't realize it was so good. Oh, Carlos D. Yeah, Which, I've I've actually I met him. A long time did ago. you oh yeah i didn't know he was kind of like the pete wentz of the band like he was kind of the face of the band in all yeah. the interviews and stuff and then i was and like then wait he, and then he the left singer? the band oh he did yeah yeah um but god that there's a there's a part where they were talking about oh like he was kind of pissed because he wanted to party and they went to like connecticut to record a record mm-hmm. and he's like oh we can't be out you know on the scene here but then they show him playing live and it's like dude his hands are moving oh yeah and he has some really really good bass parts uh by the way carlos d short for carlos dangler <laughs> So just, okay. that's just a little Interpol fact for you. But yeah, no, I I definitely I think of all of those bands at that time. Yeah. Interpol was my favorite. I, I got really into the strokes and, and yeah, yeah, too. But yeah, Interpol, Interpol is definitely my favorite. I saw a TV on the radio a few times early on coming yeah. through, through Chicago back in the day. They they opened for a bunch of cool bands. Yeah, you're right, though. They did spend a little too much time on the LCD sound system stuff. And then, yeah, that was just and, and because it was just and then it kind of just it, ended with that. Well, like, here's oh. the thing, though, the the, the 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 documentary, the filmmakers, they they also made the LCD sound system documentary and it's like they're so they're like they already have this relationship with James Murphy of course oh, they're gonna like get it's more the same guys who them. did all my friends or whatever yeah exactly oh. and so they they definitely gave him a lot of screen time and and talked to him a lot he sort of narrated his whole story and uh that yeah that that felt really sort of like back heavy to me yeah um yeah I mean that's pretty much it I think the last thing I'll probably say is like Again, with the nostalgia thing, I, I do remember when New York, when I was living there, and it was, you could find a warehouse and just like have a party there. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing was like, like real estate. Spe- like outside of Manhattan, which, totally. which Brooklyn, they talk about a bit, yeah. a bit in that. Um, and I thought that was interesting how like they were basically, like it basically ends with them being like, yeah, in three years or in two years, the rent tripled. Like anywhere to live was just, they, everybody got priced, priced out, out, which, you know, we're kind of dealing with now and all that. Yep. So it's just funny to me. I'm like, yeah, because now New York is like one of the most expensive places in the world. It is. I think it is the most. Yeah. Oh, it's, More either than that Hong, it's either that or Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Hong Kong's up there. Yeah. But anyways, the point is, I'm like, yeah, you couldn't have this this scene of like, oh, let's just get together in a warehouse and start using it as a rehearsal space and pay 50 bucks a month or even mm-hmm. a couple hundred. Now it's just like it's impossible to find stuff like that. Sure so is. those scenes will never come back. Not know. there. No. It'll have to be smaller markets. But yeah, I liked it. I liked, I liked it. I thought, it, I mean, I didn't turn it off. You know, I, I watched yeah. it through. I also, obviously I didn't live there at the time, but I still have a lot of nostalgia for that music sure. in that time. So that's, that is they what. They painted a nice picture of it, I felt like. Yeah, yeah. It was all, it was just a very, 
it was like a surface level it, instead of it, it wasn't a van gogh it was like a you know like a i don't want to say motel art but you know it was <laughs> it was more like a silk screen or something yeah i know what you mean um yeah again i they didn't go deep on like a lot of the history of a lot of things and then they didn't really get into like even like 911 they kind of just like had to like glance over and it was that was like these you know, i don't know it was just maybe they they tried it either should have been longer or it could have been maybe like a couple part docu series yeah it, i felt like you're right i felt like it was very surface level from all the docs i've watched over the years yeah. it definitely wasn't a deep one which is nice sometimes you know it yeah, wasn't but, it wasn't but like I think too heavy they had i mean they talk about like heroin addiction and 9-11 yeah. like they're that you kind of or they're even they spend a lot which i think one of the most interesting aspects was karen O yeah and her whole story and like how she was based like super outsider her yeah. whole life as being like a woman in this scene like the only basically woman yeah. in this scene, other than uh, kimya from moldy peaches and uh they, so there was a lot there they did have some meat on the bone that they could have they could have gone for yeah and they just it, it was just sort of like yeah, we like partied and stuff, and like New yeah. York was cool. Well, and then we and took then it too far, it's not and cool then we had to anymore. You're, that was pretty much it. <laughs> with, but oh, but with some really fucking good bands and yeah. really cool live performance. Well, I was just thinking footage. about this because I I knew it wasn't going to be a Strokes documentary. Yeah, but I was thinking it, it captured obviously this small window of their existence, mm-hmm. right? And I was thinking about that. I'm like, that band's been around forever. How come no one's ever done like a real doc about that band, like how they all grew up? Where they came, maybe they don't want that information out there. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the thing. It made me want more. I feel like you know, I could have had a documentary, a full documentary about each and every one of those bands. Dude, TV on the radio was in it for two seconds. Yeah, that was so weird. Yeah, they were so good in their time, their prime too. I really didn't. The one guy just pass away a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I knew that. Maybe the bass player or something. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, You got an arbitrary ranking? Well, I did, and I'm I'm obviously nostalgia based, so I gave it a nine because I I I liked it as a like you said is is not too deep of a documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of pulled me around from like. You know, one second you're watching about the Strokes, the next second it's about the AAS, and you're kind of like, it's all over the place a little bit, so it was kind of even hard to, like, do notes for it, because I was just like, I don't know, they just jumped around too much. Okay. Um, yeah, well, the, it, that, it, that, I was going to see how you felt about that, too. Jumped around a lot. Yeah. Like, like one minute, they're literally interviewing the Strokes, and then it would jump to Interpol, and they're interviewing that guy, and I was like, wait, are they... You know how they do the thing where um the the voice narration or or just somebody will be being interviewed and they cut to that before you see who it yeah, is yeah, right. and you're kind of like oh wait now they're talking to the Interpol guy because he was like oh we've never done a tour before before they got signed or yeah. whatever and I was like wait they already went on a tour and I'm like oh they're on a different band now they're mm-hmm. talking about those guys so that was a little weird it was a little weird now was the book you know I I I'm, I never love like comparing books to yeah. movies because it's just two it's completely different, different thing. things but was it. Would you say the book was more detailed or was it kind of the same thing? Was it more it surface was. level? Like no, that? the book was for sure. And, and you get a lot more of the like the, the sort of like quote instead of being like having to just be like a pull quote pulled to, to be the voiceover in the documentary. You get a lot more like full paragraphs of sure. thoughts and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and you, I think a little bit more about sort of like the relationships between the bands. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, it, you're, even the book was kind of like that, too, just because it is a lot of stuff to cover and yeah you could i mean unless you want to make like a thousand page fucking moby dick you're probably going to have to cut some stuff out there too i think the things i do like about 
the movie is like the scene where they can show actual, you know, they show actual footage of yeah, stuff, ton obviously, of it. where you have to paint a picture in your mind in a book. But I liked the scene. It was crazy where like Courtney Love shows up and they're doing that live stream. That's like the bet when it gets bad. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're like they're passed out in a bed. Fucked up. Super. They're drinking like a bottle of vodka on MTV. She's smoking crack. Like it's and those on MTV in like, you know what? 2002 at that point or something. She, she for some reason did some takeover and then called the strokes to come over and like Brian Adams came with them. And they yeah, were just like, and he was just clearly like zooted out on Dude, camera. Everything. Yeah. So that was that was pretty, pretty crazy footage. They like fall asleep in that bed. Like while they're streaming, yeah, so strange. streaming as we call it the uh, these days. Yeah, then it'll just be on freaking being TV on air. Yeah, on the old. T- on the old I do remember MTV doing stuff like that though. It would be like the middle of the night, and they would play something. She that- was like goading girls out the window to take their to take their tits <laughs> out, and then she's like, "I'll do it if you do it." It was so weird. Courtney Love, man. Anyways, well, I, I, what did you give it overall? Oh, uh, I I guess I'll give it. Um, also mine is also nostalgia influence i think if i wasn't if i wasn't interested in that period i don't know it, maybe it would get me to interested in listening hmm. to some of the music yeah. you know well that's the other thing is the rapture they they sort of talk about a bit and like the, i loved that band at yeah. the time it, as well i, I liked how they compared the them to uh, like a disc like a disco version of the strokes kind of you know that was kind of their they were, yeah they were from the movie I they think. were definitely the dancey they brought yeah. the dance and and that it, I didn't, I, but I also didn't know how much James Murphy like tried and did influence that no early idea. on. Yeah, but uh, either way, uh, yeah, I would give it. Um, I would give it seven houses of jealous lovers. I'll say. <laughs> nice, very nice. It'll be my. I gave it a nine idea. out of ten. I love New York T-shirts. It's perfect. Oh, I you bet your sweet ass. First time I went to New York, I bought one of those. I wish I would have ever got one. Yeah, they were people would actually did. wear them back when I was living there too. That was oh, a yeah. funny thing. We'll see. Pretty Whatever. good. I Pretty think it's worth good. watching. I think it's worth good. watching. I, yeah, it's a, it's a, it doesn't necessarily. I did sort of like sit down and actually watch it. Watch it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. Re, it's not necessarily a doc that requires no full, full attention. You, you can, can be doing laundry fold, or something, folding yeah. some clothes. Yeah, exactly. What else we got? I'm Hank? glad we got to do a little duo date. That doc. is fun, man. Yeah, it's fun when that happens, and uh, it's also fun when we get to talk about a little future gear, and that's about to happen too. So let's dive on in. Uh, I first update here. I'm actually really excited about because I haven't bought this thing yet. We've talked about it before, and I said that I was going to, and I'm definitely going to. Uh, Moog has already announced an addition to their Mogerfoger effects plugin right. bundle that came out. If you'll recall, we talked about this, uh, I don't even know, probably a month or two ago at this point, where they've reissued the digital, ver- digital the- plugin yeah. versions of every Mogerfoger pedal. And we've even talked about it in the Symphony again, to where I, where we, because we had discovered the fact that there is no MF-106 right. in the line, even though there were eight numbers, they skipped six. And uh, it turns out it's because that was for April Fool's Day jokes. Uh, this now They have now announced and released the MF-109, the MF-109S, which is a saturator. Hmm. And it looks just like, they've got it in the interface, looks just like all the other Mogerfoger pedals. It's still got the, all the patchability and stuff, but it's a brand new effect that for free, for now if you buy this plug-in bundle, you all, you now also get this new nice. plug-in as well. Uh, they, what they talk about is how a major component, and I agree, of the sort of Moog sound is not even just like the synthesis that's happening, but it's a, a lot of the like the kind of like crunchiness distortion that happens on the way in, like because you can control the input gain and such, and all mm-hmm. these uh, pedals and th- synthesizers. And in fact, I'll I'll quickly digress to say that my favorite use for the MF one hundred two ring mod when I had it was actually as a bass pedal. Really, and I really liked not even with ring mod on. I really liked what the preamp 
game essentially really? did so to like, almost like a boost pedal, or kind something? of like a little bit of a booster. Uh, so what does this one do? So it adds, it, it basically adds warmth, distortion, and crunch, depending on how you want to use it. It's a, so it's like a saturator type pedal. Um, it's it can go from really tight, sort of like synthetic, I would say, kind of distorting sounds from the le- demos that I listened to before this. And, and then also that just like sort of crunchy analog, like Moog Model D distortion sound. So it kind of, okay. it's, it's pretty versatile. Um, and uh, it also, um, you can use it to kind of control noise and stuff in a couple, in a couple interesting ways. But I would say really this is, you're already interested in the Mografoger line of effects plugins. And now it's like, oh, this is just extra juice on the, on the okay. Sizzly Steak right there. Nice. And I think it's also interesting too, because this is the first one that, is a new design not based on another on an analog pedal right so there's nothing like specific to compare it to they've made right. they've made some drive pedals and such in the past but not in the mini foger not in the full moger which is kind of cool they get more creative idea you know creative uh advancement that way they don't have to compare yeah. it to anything can kind of make up what you want you can yeah they can push new territory and that's what these plugins are doing they're taking these analog pedals and bringing them in the box as it were yes and I think it's also cool too because I didn't even really consider. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't consider the fact that they would just like make new Moger Foger effects. I thought like the point of the plugins were like, hey, we don't make these pedals anymore, so like here's the pedals digitally. But now there's also just like the possibility that they're going to keep expanding and making even new stuff in the future, which I think is right. fucking awesome. So if you don't remember, it was 149 for the full bundle. I think in terms of getting a whole bunch of plugins that you can use as many times as your computer can handle, uh, there's almost nothing cooler out there. Dude, you got to have it, man. Got to have it. If you're a jazz master player, you might say you got to have these because I don't know if you saw, there are now signature Fender J Mascus jazz master pickups that you can buy. Oh, wow. Just the pickups, just the pickups. So, Uh, they are, um, I don't, you know, the, the question that I didn't see specifically, I don't know if these are just the pickups that he's had put in his guitars originally, or if these are like a new design that he has with Fender uh, separate from his like actual, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. I didn't really see this, that answer. I've never heard about him like having an upgraded jazz man. I just thought it was his jazz master, like class. You would assume it was original pickups. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So uh, they're, as they're described, designed for uh, fuzz-infused walls of sound or gentle vintage cleans, which I would say covers the, the Dinosaur <laughs> Jr. thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, they've got Alnico 2 magnets and wound to his specs. Uh, they're a modern take on his signature tone. Uh, I guess supposedly the, the main thing with these is that just overall they're a little bit uh, warmer. I guess less mm-hmm. less bright than your standard Jazzmaster pickup, which is I think always probably a good thing. Most people tend to tame that with the values of the pots right. on the guitar, but I mean, I guess you ta- can get going forward at the source isn't a bad idea you either. Can get ice picky if you want to. You sure things. can. Uh, and they're also just supposedly designed again to respond just to what Jay Mascus is known for, which is a whole bunch of filthy distortion yeah. and fuzz pedals. So nice. it's particularly big muffs. Um, Pedals come or the pedals. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about because I got G Mascus on the brain. But silly boy, it is actually about the pickups. That's they right. come in a set of two from Fender. How much do you think they cost? One fifty. One twenty nine. That's, that's not bad for two pickups. I feel like that's not that's not a horrible. I feel like it'd deal. be a great upgrade for like a Squire or something like that. Oh, or yeah, or even even like a even a any any other jazz. I'll master. be honest, dude. I just got a notification. I'm watching. I'm not even. I think I'm watching it now. But there's a Squire Jazzmaster 
Yes. Affinity, which is like their cheapest line. Yes. For like 129 bucks on Reverb right now. And it's Burgundy Mist, and I was kind of like, yeah, I should just buy this. And then that, and then I could if upgrade anything, yeah, this needs. is a perfect candidate exactly. for something like that. Yeah, because then you're in, what, 300 bucks? Less than, yeah, bud. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's a that's a heck of an instrument. Maybe get you, save the put the rest of the cash towards a, a new a, a new bridge. And yeah, you get you're gonna want that bridge setup. upgrade for sure. Uh, dude, yeah, I, I was I thought I was I was I thought they were gonna be a lot more expensive. I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that price. That's interesting though. Um, I'm trying to think if they even I know Squire does a version of his guitar, and I did they just announce like a, a reissue of his guitar again or something? I just wonder where he, he's, I think he has a new another new Telecaster that came out. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Because he also plays a tele. Turns out most of the recorded sound is usually a tele in really? that band. Yeah, he's huh. got a lot of guitars, but he says he mostly uses the tele on the stuff. And nice. the Jazzmaster is more of a live thing. Uh, okay, two more things to talk about here. Would you rather talk about a guitar, or would you rather talk about? <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Well. I don't know how to describe it, I guess, would probably okay, be let's more start interesting, there. right? No, I think they're both interesting. Right. We're going to talk about both. But I'm, I'm curious. All right, well, okay, then we'll close with the one that you think is more interesting, because we're going to start with the guitar. All right, what do we got? 1032 guitars. Hmm. I believe I sent this to you this week. It had been sent to me by Dan Liu. Ah, uh, yes. How can we describe 1032 guitars? They're um, portable. They look vaguely familiar. I would, cons- I would, I would call them a mixture between a Schecter and uh, like a Kinex or uh, like an Erector set. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I was like Kinex brand. No. Yeah. They're very, they're well, blocky. Yeah. But, but also not. So anyways, they're uh, this company called 1032 guitars. This they're an American really brand. To me. They're designed to be the most, usable full featured portable guitars travel guitar travel guitar that one could ever ever get right we've all seen like the neck one where the neck folds up just a tr- yeah a lot of brands make them they're either real tiny or they fold over they usually sound like poop and and yeah the, 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 i don't think anybody's exactly nailed it yet and no. I, and i might say that i i still feel that way even after talking about this <laughs> brand but i don't want to i don't want to hate just yet and wherever frankly uh, it's, it seems like it's a pretty small operation. I think it's like a couple people out running out okay. of this guy's like basement in Denver. Uh, he got the name from the name. He didn't have a, he didn't have a name for his brand when he went to his first NAM in 2011. By oh, the way. wow. It's and been he had just bought a CNC machine and it said 1032 on the front and that's how he got it. Okay. Uh, so basically they're portable travel guitars, but then once they're fully assembled, they can be as large as you just a normal full size normal. guitar. In fact, I would say the bodies are even kind of big sometimes. That's the one thing I was surprised by was the size of the body. There are a number. I think there are five general body shapes. As far as I can tell, only three of them qualify for the full portability aspect of it. Right. So one of the things is that the you can they come with this case, right? And it's like a backpack looking fancy yeah, it's like Batman a bag. Backpack mixed with like um like a tool set. You ever seen exactly. like, you know, like the ones that fold up, you keep them in your trunk or whatever. Right. Yeah. And uh, the guitar completely disassembles down into that. And that is TSA compliant to go to be your carry on where right. you, or your personal item that fits underneath uh, a standard uh, airport, like a airport seat, right. airplane seat. So the thing is, is that in order to do that, you also have to unscrew the headstock. This is the part that I thought was strange. 
So it's like it's a three parter. It's a it's a body. It's the neck, and then the headstock. Also Never seen comes a headstock off. that comes off a guitar. It's usually and I, not a good thing. And I think yeah, that's normally that's normally a bug. <laughs> I think typically I don't know. You know, obviously. I don't. I've never actually played one of these things. I, I watched some stuff on the, on the interwebs and looked and read the website. Mm-hmm. It seems like you can you the you like the guitar, the headstock isn't always necessary. Maybe like you can oh. like play, you can do it without the headstock really? in some way. I think I don't know. It's between the fact that that you take the headstock off and then the fact that the body designs are just weird man i'm gonna i'm gonna put it out there they're, they're like the futuristic pi- they're like future uh, but like almost like hair pi- metal like 70s pixelated kind of yeah isn't uh, there like a weird bevel that comes out kind of on the body too? depending on which one you get the so one there, i saw in the video the there blue are three one series yeah. there's series one is flat okay uh but then there are certain mandatory shaping like forearm contours and belly cuts those oh do you know the prices by the way i don't think i looked okay so we'll come yeah. back so there's three series series one is that one series two has a carved top with a single contour um, but you can still save money by selecting a flat back. That's what I should say here. Uh, the ordering process uh, leaves much to be desired. I'll really? Say. I tried to try to order one. I tried to see what the deal yeah. was because you'd think that there'd be like a builder, right? <coughs> it's a Google form. Oh, wow. This 28 a- steps. I only got to step one because to get past step one, you have to submit your name and email address. Mm, no. I'm not going to do that. I want to go through the build process to figure Absolutely. out virtually figure out if it's something that actually makes sense for me because I could see the value in wanting to have a good travel guitar. Sure. I, let me go through the process, customize it, see what it's going to cost. Then you can then have you my can freaking have my information. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, now so I'm going to be on your mailing list because I wanted to price out what this thing would cost me. So there's a little bit of a, a bellyache there. Now in the series two, that's where you start to be able to get what they describe as the component shelf. Which is, I think, what you were talking about, which where it has like the second layer on the body. Yeah, it was weird. It's called the component shelf. Okay. Uh, and that's because of the physical height of the switch. Uh, those become necessary. Now, then oh. there's series three, same as series two, but also includes a secondary contour. Hmm. Uh, and then that one, all of these prices include the case. Um, there are many different options, as I mentioned, because there's a 20, it, everything's a custom build. There's no yeah. just like standard instrument. Everything See, that's is, like, the weird thing. I feel like they should have, right. And that's what I don't like about it. I feel like you should um, have been able to just buy one, two or three, which requires a lot more money and, and uh, just investment on their part. Well, they would have to up. build a bunch in the, yeah, I get that. But now again, there's three series. One is cheapest. Three is most expensive. Goes up from there. What do you think these, these are going to cost? Dude, I, it's hard to say, man. And yeah. like, I would say to anybody listening who hasn't heard of this, like, Google it because it's really weird to look at. They're they're, they're hard to look at in some it's, ways. It's like, this but they're weird... also they also could be your bag. I don't know. Right. It's also kind of cool. Um, like they seem a... well made. I don't want to say it seems like it's like a poorly made product. Just no. like aesthetically and design wise, I'm having a hard time with it. And you have to p- like physically put it together when you land at, here. Okay, this is this is. I want to get I want to I want to get back to the price, but this is what <laughs> I find to be the fundamental flaw in this whole type of thing. Okay. I don't want to have to completely restring my guitar every single time that I play it. Exactly. So until you solve that part of it, I don't care that it fits in a backpack because right. I can already buy a telly and just shove it in a backpack and make it work. Well, like I said, I, when I flew home from Florida, I had a Strat. I took the neck off. I mm-hmm. took the body apart and I left the strings, you know, on the bridge. Yeah. Shoved it in my bag. It fit in a standard size backpack. And just that put was, a capo on it. That was it. On the strings. And yeah. It's, like... Not ideal, admittedly. No, 
but it was one way to travel with it and not have to check it and stuff, you know? So, um, but I would say this, I don't know the price. I want to guess. Yeah. So again, series one, one series two, two series three. three, man. I mean, series one, God. would you like it? Do you want to know how far away the, the I'll just say this, yeah, the tiers, the, I'll just say this from the cheapest to the most expensive yeah. is seven fifty. Okay. That's in between each. Okay. So there's a, there's a slot in between those two. Right. I got you. Yeah, man. I mean, the first one, series one, I'm going to say like 800 bucks. And then series two, you know, maybe like, I, I don't think they're cheap. That's the thing. I'm going to guess on the high side. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. And that might be a low price would actually entice me to check this out. But if you're custom building it, they have, they, they're not, they're made so 800. Order. So then, I, and you know, that 750 slot makes the most expensive, I guess you would, Fif- you would say uh, 15. like 1550. Yep. So I'm going to go between those two prices. Okay. Series one, two thousand, all the way up to twenty seven fifty for series three. Very almost three grand for it. Yeah, I mean, and probably honestly, by the time you, that's where they start, right? So that like once you're customizing each one of those models, for with your needs, the price is going to be higher than that. Yeah, it's like you said though, man. I mean, I think, gosh, if you're going to invest almost three grand into a travel guitar, wouldn't you just have a regular guitar with like a really good case or figure out? Yeah. I don't know. I don't see anyone. Well, and I'm not shitting thing. on these but, guys. But the, the fact that it's a backpack to me says that they're thinking about it as more than even just like flying, flying with it. Like you can just like take it around town yeah. or whatever. But again, ride your bike with it. You still have to completely restring yeah. the guitar. So every if you single took time. it from your home to your practice space on your bike or your motorcycle, have to restring the guitar, restring it as you get there. And that's just de-string, unstring, like, yeah. and then, and then restring. And like, including the headstock has to go on securely. And it does have all the tools built in, like you yeah, said. Yeah, that's. You're, the, I think you're still going to want some power tools, probably. It, right. It came with like you know. I saw it came with like wire cutters yeah, and like all the stuff, all little weird you know screwdrivers and shit. I'm just like, man, this is a. It's a thoughtful product, but it's. I again, they're not I, solving I, a. Wait, didn't you say this? I you think said? I think it's a solution looking for a problem. Yes, thank you. That was very well put. It's it's a, there are a lot of products like that out there in the world, and that doesn't mean that it's not in some ways useful to some certain people, but. I, I still don't think that I don't see the masses. I still don't think it's really fi- figured it out because I do agree that traveling with an instrument sucks. I've had instruments get damaged doing sure. that. Like I've had bad experiences traveling with instruments. Yeah, you have. I yeah. just don't. Um, I just don't. Yeah, I don't really dig it. <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. It's a little expensive, but hey, you know, I'm I'm still putting. I still feel like we're putting the word out there. If people can make up their own mind about it, absolutely, and they, and they like it, they want to go check it out. I think it's okay. Uh, but I just, I just, yeah, I think maybe, maybe cheaper or with a different solution mm-hmm. would be my, my ultimate feedback as if anyone cares, but finally they care about this because we're going to talk about something that I don't even, again, I don't even know how to freaking describe it. All right, man. So this is uh, made by Soma laboratories and I saw it. I don't, I think it might've shown up on some like tech site that was like, here's like uh, cool gifts for the musician in your life. Sure. And it is called the ether. This is V2, by the way. So there was an, an original version of this. And they describe it as an anti-radio. Okay. Which is perfect for picking up the unwanted electrical interference that is all around us in the modern world. Instead of being tuned to a radio station, it picks up all the radiation and interference that is blocked out by a tra- traditional radio. It's, a, it's basically... It looks kind of like just like a, a small but sort of thicker old, maybe almost like an iPod, but like an old iPhone, mm-hmm. a little bit like a smaller cell okay. phone, that sort of black rectangle, no screen or anything. It just has like 
these two little prongs on the top and then two little wheels on the side and then like maybe like one I think like headphone basically output or like stereo eighth inch output so what they say is that early radios did not have a tuning wheel all the radio stations broadcasted Morse code each transmitter had its own timbre or voice which could be distinguished by ear ether picks up radio waves simply as they exist in the world unfiltered and raw from hertz or gigahertz Mm. it has electric and magnetic components for sensing radiation and electromagnetic magnetic fields those little prong things i mentioned on the top are the magnetic antenna and those are modeled after old long wave radios and that's the most sensitive part of the ether Mm. so i've seen i've seen some videos of people using this out in the world and it's very much to me a cool thing to use plugged into like a little mobile recorder, like your zoom or however you would go out and do um, like mobile, you know, uh, effects recording and that sort of thing okay. out, out in the world. Sure. This is what I think that this, that's what this is for. And I've seen people doing it on like a train and they like were waving it around the train and then like holding it up to the lights and it does all sorts of crazy different sounds. And then like tapping, like tapping the antenna, even you can create rhythms with it. Oh. And, um, so it's, it could almost be like an instrument. Type of thing. It's a, I, I, it's basically, it's kind, it's like a microphone sort of for like noise like Like stuff that exists but again like when we use our radios now it filters this stuff out so you can listen to all the different waves and stuff that are around you in your home and in the world if you have like an external recorder and then record it in stereo that's uh, to to whatever you want uh i have a question yes um i have a close friend who i will remain nameless on this podcast Mm. Who experiences electromagnetic hypersensitivity? Yes. Would this be a nice gift for him? I don't think so because I think it would only make things worse. <laughs> it would prove that he's right, and there is magnetic fields all I around us. There, I don't think anybody disputes slowly that he's wrong us. about that. It's right. the part about the killing us yeah. that's that's up for debate. It's a little strange. So yeah, I think this would also yeah this might just so be like putting idea. like a magnifying glass on the problem <laughs> okay, a little bit. I won't buy it for him. Yeah. Uh, so it does have two wheels. I mentioned uh, the upper wheel controls the amount of regeneration and high frequency amplification. Uh, adjusting this allows you to focus ether on different fields and interference to get the most out of your sonic explorations. Hmm. The other wheel controls volume. Uh, now it's not again, they say it's not intended to like go to like sit in your studio, uh, but rather something that allows you to sort of like go out in the world and sample things and and get some, some cool. stuff. I I guarantee you could even plug it into your phone. You could just like record with your phone Fun to play with it for sure. It's a little interface. Uh, yeah, I think it sounds, fucking amazing it's unlike anything i've ever heard like i said i don't even know how to describe it yeah they call it an anti-radio which is like what does that even yeah mean? you already threw me off there i was like what i absolutely 100 percent would love to own one now of is this things. like a stocking stuffer type of thing or are we thinking this is a pretty big purchase? i think it depends on how ritual stockings are <laughs> okay so it's gonna be up so there. it's it's a microphone you yeah. know it's it's not it's I would not call it an impulse buy, but it's also something that's not going to break the bank. Either. Right. So I guess, of course, you know, that's all relative, depending on your bank. Yeah. Is it three hundred bucks? No, I, it is one fifty nine ninety nine. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Again, it's, it's I would it's use a it noise a recorder. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if it's more of an and it doesn't even do the recording part. You still need to have that, too. Right. So it's not just like I think that this is the this would be a cool gift for someone that, you know, already knows how to do this kind of thing. Like, you're yeah. not going to get into noise recording with this like, right like you've already got some you microphones in a setup and, and this is just like a different way to do that thing did they play some do. like samples of what it picks up yeah so i went and sought out some reviews and demos yeah. and stuff Kinda and cool. <laughs> yeah really yeah, yeah yeah okay 
Definitely. Now we're talking. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing that, you know, you're going to listen to on the top 40 radio, but it, it's something <laughs> that you could like sample and you do really sample cool some, stuff yeah, with it. Right. Exactly. Chop it up, layer it, yeah. throw a bunch of reverb and it, it's yeah. all sorts of goodiness. Cool. Throw it into the freaking uh, out into the snow. <laughs> I think we're going to have to cut that <laughs> part gotta, of the show. We'll we got to check that we'll out. We'll find out. So, Wow. My jaw hurts, so I know it's time for us to wrap Dude, this up. This buddy. was a great episode. This man. was a really we had a lot of beef up in that symphony. We had a we had a matching doc today. Um, a a duo a duo doc. A, a, a sword fight Which of a is always doc. a treat for me. And then and me too. And and then a whole bunch of freaking future gear. I don't know. I think it's time. It's yeah, time. That's great. It's a really great episode. I'm I'm excited that the sun's still out. And I feel rejuvenated because it's still out. I do too. And uh folks, if you made it this far. We already said go listen to the first three Metallica records, so go do it again. Go do that. And then go make some music.